Well, good morning, church. Uh, assuming you are watching this on Sunday morning, for me recording this, it is Saturday afternoon slash evening, and I'm in our office empty. It's just me here, and so it's a little bit different for me uh, preaching to an empty room. But for you, at least if you've been with us kind of from the beginning, um, watching a sermon on video is is kind of old school redemption new market. And so hopefully this isn't... Uh, too outside of your comfort zones, uh, but listen, it's been a it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? You know, I think we're all somewhat reeling a little bit from all of the news and and maybe overwhelmed. There's there's maybe a low grade anxiety that's that's kind of in your soul a little bit from uh, the coronavirus talk, COVID nineteen. Uh, maybe for you, you've panicked and it's and it's fear. Um, but uh, at the end of the day. Um, we want to rest in the, in the sovereignty and the goodness of our God. I was thinking about a couple of different verses that have, I think, really blessed me over the last several days. And uh, one of them I just want to share with you right out of the gate here comes from uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 31. It says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And I love thinking about that. I love realizing that, you know, despite this pandemic that is, that is going on and, and causing life as we know it to kind of grind to a halt and so many things are changing. And I just love remembering though, that the Lord reigns despite all of it. None of this has budged him. None of this has pushed him off of his throne. Uh, none of this uh, means that he is not in control. Uh, not at all. Uh, the Lord reigns. He is good and we should trust him. It is good and right for us to do that. And so um, as I've been encouraged by that, I trust that you are as well. And, and perhaps there's been verses that you've been clinging to this week. And if so, I would love you to share those uh, with me um, as we you know, try to encourage each other in all of this. And so just on that note, I, I, I ask that you would pray for us, for our leaders and, and for our staff and elders as we adjust to uh, what ministry looks like in this new, I kind of hesitate to call it an era, but you know, hopefully it's a very brief one, you know, where we can't quite gather at our, over at our school in our normal, you know, church building. Um, but you know what, again, we just, uh, we want to cling to the Lord. We want to do that. We don't want to overreact. We don't want to underreact either. We want to be wise. And so God give us wisdom in these things. And so I just wanted to kind of start with all of that here, but also let you know that we are continuing through our Acts series today. And uh, we are in Acts chapter two. You can go ahead and grab uh, your Bible now and grab a pen and, and, and grab a notebook. We've you know, emailed you the outline uh, with uh, this video, of course, and so you should have it all there in front of you. But Acts chapter 2, 1 to 13 is, uh, is where we're going to be here today. Now, you've probably heard the phrase before or, or you've even used the phrase, um, now we're cooking with gas, right? You've heard that, you've used that. It's, it's an expression that uh, really conveys the idea that, that now we're getting somewhere, right? Things are happening, things are kind of taking off in a way that they weren't just a short time ago. Now, you could say that, that cooking with gas you know, fits as a description of what we see happen here in Acts chapter 2. And it's where we see the, the Holy Spirit descend upon the disciples in a in a display of, of God's power that just propels their ministry, propels God's mission forward in astounding and astonishing ways. 
you know, the disciples, their lives, their, their, their ministry activity from this point onward kind of just hits a fever pitch. It, it accelerates, right? It hits this level of intensity and, and fruitfulness never before seen. And it's all due to the powerful outpouring of God's spirit in them and through them, right? And this is just, just has Jesus promised that it would happen. Back in chapter one, verse eight, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, similarly, uh, for us today, we, we as believers and, and, and as a church, we require power from the Holy Spirit. Nothing has changed in that regard, right? We, we need him for, for, for strength, uh, for everything, for literally everything. I mean, in a, in a very foundational primary way, we need his power to, to save us. We need his power to regenerate us. I, we see that in, in Titus chapter three, where, where it says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So regeneration there is this idea of rebirth from which we get you know, born again. We see that, that term and that phrase uh, used in the New Testament. So we need the, the Holy Spirit to actually save and regenerate us. We also need the Spirit's power uh, to help us just grow in obedience. We need his power to help us live a holy life and, 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 and transform into the image of Christ. And we see Peter speak about this in, in 1 Peter uh, 1 verse 2. He, he talks about the, the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. Okay, so we need the Holy Spirit to save us. We need him to, to, to transform us. And, and this is what we really see in Acts chapter 2 here. We need the Holy Spirit's power to come upon us so that we can get like cooking with gas, right? So, so that we can see the, the mission really take off. Okay, so that we can fulfill the work of ministry that, that God has called us to, which of course is to spread the gospel and, and it's, it's to make disciples. Okay, so is this happening in us? I think that's an important question to ask. Is this happening in our, in our, in our lives? Is this, is this happening you know, in us as a church? And again, I'm asking that question. No one's here, it's an empty room. So I'll just go ahead and answer that. Uh, answer that question myself by saying, yeah, I think this is happening. I, I've seen this happening in, you know, many of your lives. I mean, we just baptized uh, two gentlemen a couple of weeks ago, which was, you know, them explaining how the Lord, and the Holy Spirit has transformed, have saved them and is changing them, which is amazing. I mean, that's just one example, you know. Now, that being said, do we want to see more of this? Yeah, of course. Of course we do. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and many of us have prayed, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit as I serve today, as I serve in Redemption Kids, as I, you know, set the church up, as we, you know, get together as a small group. Lord, would you pour your spirit out? And we would ask that he would do even more of that so that, so that he would use us to proclaim his name and accomplish even more for, for his sake, right? And for his glory. And so these are the things that we're going to be talking about here this morning from Acts chapter two. I just want to pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we come before you uh, today and recognize that this is very unique for us, uh, Lord, to be, uh, you know, at home and, and, you know, watching this sermon on our computer, on our screen, on our phone. 
uh, what have you, Lord, it's, it's different. Uh, God, we uh, confess that many of us have felt fear during this time. We felt confusion. We're worrying. We're, we're nervous. And, and God, we know that you are in control, Lord. We know that the Lord reigns. And so, Father, we want to rest in that, but we recognize we also need you to help us with that. We need your spirit to implant these things more deeply in our hearts and in our minds. And, and Lord, as we you know, talk about the Holy Spirit's work uh, at Pentecost, as we see it in Acts chapter 2 today, I pray that you would uh, fill us, fill our church with your Holy Spirit even more, Lord, that you would work in, in even more fruitful ways. And, and Lord, that you would uh, continue to, to use our church to uh, reach a new market and the communities represented in this area, Father, where we live. God, we pray that you would expand uh, our ministry and, and our reach, Lord, work in us, work through us. Uh, we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, two things here this morning. Here's the first one, diving in, right? The Holy Spirit is the power that propels our ministry working radically in and through us. Now we see this starting in verse uh, one here. Look what it says. It says, when the, when the day of Pentecost arrived, all right, now, now, now Pentecost literally means the 50th part, okay, the 50th part. Now, last week, you might remember that I mentioned how the Jews celebrated Pentecost 50 days after Passover. Now, what was Passover? Well, Passover was, was the occasion that they celebrated uh, how, how God had rescued their people, their nation, out of, of Egypt, you remember that they were commanded to put lamb's blood over the doorpost because the angel of death was going to sweep through Egypt. And if they had put lamb's blood over their doorpost, that was them trusting and obeying the Lord. And if they did that, the angel of death would pass over. Those who didn't, firstborns uh, would be killed. And of course, um, that happened and uh, Pharaoh's own firstborn son was killed. And it was right after that moment that he released uh, the Israelites to head out into the wilderness. And so um, they, again, they celebrate Pentecost now, 50 days after uh, Passover. Okay, Pentecost, back to that, you uh, might know if you're you know, familiar with the Old Testament that it was also called the Feast of Weeks. Okay, the Feast of Weeks. And that was a festival where the Jews would express their gratitude for, uh, to God for his provision of grain at the harvest. They would get together and they would celebrate that. Now, a little more history tied to that here for a second. Because the Israelite nation originally left Egypt, remember, and arrived at Mount Sinai after that, about 90 days later, Pentecost, okay, at the 50-day mark, that, that harvest celebration, that ultimately became the occasion where they would also celebrate what took place at Sinai, right? Sinai was where the Lord you know, descended on the mountain and he gave them the law, the Ten Commandments, through Moses, and it was a reestablishing of God's covenant with his people. And so essentially what was happening at Pentecost at this point in Acts is they had, they had combined these two events. You've got the harvest celebration, the grain celebration, and they would remember the, the giving of the law and, and, and the, the reestablishing of the covenant at Sinai. They would, they would combine this into sort of like this, this kind of ultra you know, celebration festival, all of it together. And I'll keep going here in the verse, still in verse one, it says they were all together in one place. This is the disciples now. And so this is the, the, the 120 that we see mentioned in chapter one, verse 15. 
Okay, so they were all together in one place, and suddenly okay, there came from heaven or, or from you know, the sky. Now keep in mind that, that Christ had just ascended into the heavens, into the sky, okay, just 10 days earlier. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, so not, not actual wind, all right, but, but a sound that was a lot like that, it says. Okay, a sound like wind, and it said, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, this is probably the same upper room that we see mentioned in chapter 1, verse 13. Okay, so it fills this entire house where they were sitting, and it says, and divided tongues as of or, or like fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Okay, now th there does appear to be a, an allusion here to the events of Mount Sinai that we see in Exodus uh, chapter 19, right? There, there's some parallels to what took place there to, and what's taking place here. God's, God's presence with his people at, at Sinai was manifested in, in some very obvious ways. It says that there was thunder and, 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 and there was lightning and there was this thick cloud and smoke and, and, and fire as well. Okay, here in Acts 2, God's presence with his people through his Holy Spirit now, okay, is manifested through, through these sounds that we just saw, the sounds of, of rushing wind. Okay, you've got these visuals as well, uh, uh, you know, tongues as of, you know, fire that rested on them. So it would have been, you know, bright, maybe, maybe flashing as well. You know, what we read here in, in Acts 2 in these verses is also typically seen as the, the fulfillment of John the Baptist's prophecy in Luke 3.16, where he said that he, referring to Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, now verse four, let's keep going. Verse four says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Okay, now that word for tongues there can also be translated languages. Okay, so they began to speak to, uh, in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we'll, we'll see in later verses here today what this, you know, speaking in tongues was, was all about here. But, but for now, I, I think it's you know, pretty safe to say that, that something rather powerful, okay, and, and, and radical was taking place here. The, the, the disciples, again, they're, they're all together in, in this upper room. Remember, it's been a, a week and a half and they, they knew what Jesus had promised. And we talked a little about, you know, maybe what they would have been feeling like last week. You know, when, when suddenly, or, you know, which, which means out of, the, out of the blue, okay, the moment that they'd been waiting for all this time, you know, finally happens. You know, the, the Holy Spirit comes down from, from heaven in this very remarkable, you know, Exodus 19-esque, you know, type of way. And, and what does the Spirit do? Well, well, it fills them, which tells us that the Spirit coming down or coming upon them is something that happens first inside of them, in them. And then the spirit proceeds to work not just in them, but also, also through them, right? Causing them to do something that they had never done before, right? In this case, you know, speak in other tongues, speak in other languages. Now, a couple of, you know, comments about this. First of all, uh, what's happening here is that God is giving those who trust in his son by faith, 
the gift of the Holy Spirit, all right? I think that's probably pretty obvious here. But from that point onwards would take up residence in or, 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 or dwell in believers uh, forever. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, you can jot that down. It says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Okay, so understand that you know, at the moment that you got saved, professed you know, faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit simultaneously in that very moment that you were justified, regenerated, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you, okay, inside of you. You are, as, as Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, you are sealed okay, with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your inheritance. Okay, on on top of this, that's so important, but on top of this, the Holy Spirit will pour himself out in, in powerful ways on believers, okay, to equip and, and, and strengthen us for certain ministry tasks, okay? I think a lot of us are kind of familiar with that concept. This is certainly what Paul is talking about, referring to when he says, uh, do not get drunk on wine, okay, for, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's Ephesians 5. 18. Hey, so here's, here's a, I think, a helpful way of kind of understanding, you know, how the Spirit interacts and works with us and in us, okay? So you've got, you've got one indwelling, okay? One indwelling. That's what happens at conversion. The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside you, okay? That is a permanent thing. And then you've got multiple uh, fillings, okay? So one indwelling, many fillings. Now, those fillings will come and go, limited really only by our, by our sin, right? We know that our sin can grieve the Holy Spirit and limit his, the effectiveness of his power uh, in us and through us. He never leaves us, but his power can be diminished based on our rebellion and our, and our sinfulness uh, from our flesh, right? Of course, the only other, I guess, limitation, if you want to put it that way, on, on, on the Spirit filling us is just in what God himself through his Holy Spirit, sovereignly decides to do and how he decides to move in work through Christians and in churches. Now, this is not to suggest that the Spirit didn't regenerate or reside in or work in and through those of faith before this moment as we see it here in Acts 2. And you think about it, when, when Nicodemus asks Jesus you know, how to be born again. Remember, he, he, didn't, he didn't understand all of that, right? Born again is regeneration, something the Spirit does, right? You notice how Jesus responds to him in John 3, verse 10. He answers him by asking him a question. He says, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? In other words, Nicodemus, you should know this. Why? Because you have the Old Testament. You're a teacher of it, right? Jesus is saying, this isn't anything... New. Anyone who's ever been saved, ever, has been, has been born again by God's Spirit. You know, how else would people overcome their hostility towards a holy God? How, how else would this happen? Okay, furthermore, we see the Spirit dwell within people in the Old Testament. Have you seen that before? In Numbers 27, verse 18, the Lord tells Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. But as you consider 
you know, all the various texts about the, uh, the Holy Spirit, I mean, there's many more that we could look at here. It's clear that there is a difference between the Spirit's work in the Old Testament and, you know, in the Old Covenant and his, his work in the, you know, in the New Testament, in, in the New Covenant in Christ's blood. In the Old Testament, his dwelling and, and in his, his, his filling for a task is sometimes seen as, as selective, okay, and also temporary. Okay, the Spirit actually departs from Saul, it tells us, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, suggesting that, that perhaps Saul wasn't even saved, right? God just chose to use him and, and work in him as he saw fit, and then the Holy Spirit uh, left, Okay, and, and David, who is the king right after Saul and a legend in Israel, David seems to fear you know, losing his anointing as king at the very least when, when he cries out in Psalm 51.11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Okay, but in the, in the New Testament, after Pentecost, it's obvious that something new and, and something unique, you know, has taken place in redemptive history that ushers in this new era, which you and I are now a part of as believers today. Yeah, I love how Derek Thomas uh, puts it. He says, there's something of the fullness of the Spirit and perhaps the experience of that fullness under the new covenant that is different from the old covenant. Okay, so in the New Testament, we see that, that the Holy Spirit now resides only in believers, not in unbelievers, okay? And we see that he also resides in every believer. It's, 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 not, it's not selective, all right? And, and that indwelling is permanent, and it happens upon conversion, okay? And, and, and since Pentecost, it's experienced in a, in a the Spirit is, in, in a unique and, and you could even say fuller way uh, that had not been experienced by people before that moment. Now, of course, more on this as we work our way through these verses here, but, but let me just, you know, ask us the question. You know, as we, you know, kind of think about how, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit is the power that propels our, our ministry as believers and as a local church, um, you know, do we see the Spirit? you know, working radically in and through us like we see it here in Acts chapter 2, right? Are, are, are you seeing that? Are, are you sensing that the Lord is at work powerfully through his Holy Spirit? Now, I, I, don't, I don't mean it, you know, in the exact same way and in all the exact same details that we see here in these, you know, first four verses of of Acts chapter 2. Okay, keep in mind that what we're reading here in Acts, it, it was a very you know, unique moment in the history of, uh, of what God did uh, in, in redemption, right? And I'm, I'm not at all convinced that, that, you know, that we should be trying to recreate this exact, you know, moment and scenario uh, today. Okay, but I'm also, this is important, I'm also definitely not saying that, you know, yes, the Spirit moved powerfully here in Acts, but, but, but he doesn't now, and, and, and he, he shouldn't now, and we shouldn't expect him to. I'm not saying that. I would be wrong. Right? You, we know this. We've got, no, we've got no hope of fulfilling our God 
God-given mission unless the Holy Spirit works powerfully, right? Works works deeply, works radically in and in and through you and I and propels the entire operation, our whole ministry forward, right? So listen, I'd even encourage you maybe to hit the pause button here uh, for just a second on the message or, or you can wait for it at the end. And, you know, whether you're, you know, alone right now and watching this or, or you're with, you know, a couple of friends or with uh, your family, uh, I, I would really encourage you to just kind of talk through with the people you're with you know, about the different ways that you have noticed the Holy Spirit working radically in and through you, right? How have you sensed that in your own life? How have you seen that true in the lives of the people that you're with now? How, you know, what evidence, you know, have you seen in your life and in each other, right? How have you seen God's power at work uh, in our church, right? If, if we're having a hard time you know, kind of pinpointing some of the specific ways. We're having a hard time identifying uh, the spirit of God's work. I, I think we need to ask ourselves, what needs to change, right? What needs to change on our part so that we would experience more of it? Is it, is it unconfessed sin? Again, I, I mentioned that already, but, you know, is there sin in, in, in our lives, in my life, in your life that, that, that we are not dealing with properly? And because of that, we're ignoring it or we're too fearful or, or we feel stuck in it. And, and so we've kind of given up the whole repentance piece. Because of that, we're not seeing and sensing the spirit moving as powerfully as he ought to and as he wants to. Is there sin in your life that you're not addressing, that you're not turning away from, that you're not reaching out to somebody to talk to and, and ask for help through, right? For you, maybe, maybe it's just a, an issue of misplaced priorities. When you think about the trajectory of your life, what you are committed to, what your life is about, you think about you know, your work time, your free time, your vacation time, your family time, all of that. What is that about? Is that about God and his glory? Is that about God and his mission? Or is that really just about what you want it to be about? Right? If, if we've got misplaced priorities in this way, we shouldn't be surprised if we don't exactly sense and see the Holy Spirit working in powerful Acts 2 uh, type ways. Is it misplaced priorities for you? Is it, is it a lack of understanding or, or a lack of faith uh, you know, in, in who the Holy Spirit is and, 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 and what we have him for, right? What he, what he set out to accomplish. Maybe you don't understand a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is the first time you've you know, even heard a message about this. Right? What do you need to study? What do you need to learn? What questions do you need to ask? I'd encourage you to think carefully through these things. As strange as it is that we're not you know, meeting at, at, at Mulock High School right now, we have kind of an interesting opportunity, unique opportunity to be able to you know, just kind of discuss these things right now with the people uh, that we're watching this with. And then I would just encourage you, you know, whatever it might be, give it to the Lord. Whatever sin, whatever's holding you back, confess it to the Lord repent and, and pray and ask the Lord, God, would you pour out more of your spirit and, and, and fill me so that you can carry out your mission through me? All right, here's the second thing, the final thing. The Holy Spirit is the power that propels our ministry, driving us to proclaim his mighty works. Love that. And here it is, starting in verse five. It says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, here we go, from every nation under heaven. Now, who are these guys? Who are these, who are these devout men? Who are these Jews from other nations? Well, well, some of them, 
you know, would have likely been uh, diaspora Jews or, or exiled Jews who had at one point, you know, lived in, you know, Roman, you know, cities after the Babylonian exile that we see in the Old Testament and then had returned to Jerusalem to live or maybe even uh, retire there. Okay, that's probably some of this, some of this group. Others certainly would have been pilgrims, right? Pilgrims who, who had made the journey to Jerusalem from these neighboring, you know, countries and, and regions just for the feast of Pentecost. And scholars have, have estimated that, um, that around a million Jews would journey to Jerusalem for the festival at this time at Pentecost uh, every year. Okay, so keep in mind that you've got, you've got Jews, okay, uh, from all over this, this very wide, you know, region representing many different tongues, many different languages now converging together, all right, you know, in Jerusalem all at once, okay? This really tees us up for what's next, verse six, okay? And at this sound, okay, so, so likely this sound was not the, you know, the, the, the mighty rushing wind sound, but rather the sound of, of the, dis, the disciples now speaking in the spirit, the, these different tongues and different languages, which suggests to us that the disciples, as the spirit fell, the disciples now poured out into the street and started to come into contact with these other Jews uh, who were in Jerusalem from all over the place, okay? So at this sound, the multitude, again, referring to the Jews that had traveled down to Jerusalem from all over, the multitude, large group, they came together, okay? And it says that they were bewildered, okay? They were bewildered because each one was hearing them, they're hearing the disciples, that is, speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not... All these who are speaking, Galileans, right? So, so somehow they can recognize that the disciples speaking in these tongues are, are like local guys. And, and so, so they're kind of wondering, like, how would they know my language? I'm not from here. I speak a very different, how, how would they know that? How would, I, how would I understand what they were saying? Okay. And they say here, how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it lists a bunch of regions and, and, and a city here that, that, that is represented here in this multitude that is gathered in Jerusalem. And so we'll just go through that and kind of give an explanation as to where uh, these places are now. It says, first of all, the Parthi uh, Parthians. Okay, so Parthia was or is in northeast Iran. Okay, and, and Medes or Media uh, is northwest Iran. Okay, the, uh, the Elamites, Elam, was uh, the lowland of what is now modern-day uh, Khuzestan. It's a province of Iran. Okay, and it says, and residents of Mesopotamia. Now, now it's, that's eastern Syria and even northern Iraq. Uh, the next uh, region mentioned there is, is Judea. because so This is the southern uh, part of Palestine then, a little bit closer than some of these other regions. It says Cappadocia, that's eastern Turkey. Pontus, that's the south coast of the Black Sea in what is now northern Turkey. It mentions Asia. You see that there? That was a, that was a Roman province. Could also be a reference to the Greek cities there along the Aegean uh, coast for some of us who might be familiar with that area. You've got uh, Phrygia, which was a, a region that became part of the, of the Roman province of, of Galatia uh, in the east and part of the province of Asia in, in the west. And it says there, and Pamphylia which was a coastal region in Roman province at the time. 
Egypt. We're fairly familiar with, with Egypt. There are many Jewish communi- uh, communities there. You've got now, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. as a Roman province of Africa, pro-consularis. And then this, this is really interesting. And visitors from Rome, okay, from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Okay, what are proselytes? Well, proselytes are converts to uh, Judaism. Okay, they're proselytizing, they're, they're proclaiming their faith, and these are Gentiles that have now converted. They're now there. Now, interesting that it mentions Rome. Rome is the only city that is mentioned in this, in this list. And it's, it's actually referenced later in Acts, in Acts chapter 28. Now, when Paul arrives there, it's really interesting. He arrives there for the first time and, and, notice, and, and notices that there's already a Christian community present. Okay, this is in Rome, which suggests, this is so cool, it suggests that it's very likely that the Jews from Rome visiting Jerusalem, here in Acts 2 that we're reading, heard the works of Jesus through these disciples speaking in their native language, they got saved okay, and then went back to Rome and brought the message of the gospel back to those people. And from there, the Christian community grew. How, how amazing is that? It's incredible. Now, next it mentions, verse 11, take a look, uh, Cretans. Okay, Crete was the largest of the Greek islands. And next it says, in, in Arabians, who were the descendants of Ishmael. Okay, so these are all the different regions, and again, that one kind of city or, you know, in different areas that had Jewish populations in these pockets all over, you know, who had made this trek, this journey to uh, Jerusalem for Pentecost. Now, as you continue reading in verse 11, uh, they react to the Holy Spirit's work here, uh, saying this, notice that we hear them telling in our own tongues or languages, the mighty works of of God, the mighty works of God. Okay, so what's happening here? Well, the disciples, under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit, are proclaiming the gospel, right? It's, it's incredible, right? And, and these Jews from all these areas were hearing about the powerful works of Jesus Christ to redeem and, and restore Israel and restore the Jews. And, and then, of course, also outsiders, right? Remember, you know, those, you know, those non-Jews who had converted to Jerusalem, uh, to, to Judaism, right? They, you know, the proselytes, it's good news for any of us who are not Jewish, right? God's, God's mighty work of, of salvation is the message that they were hearing proclaimed here through the disciples under the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now take a look at verse 12. It says, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Right, but others mocking said, ah, they're filled with new wine. Right, quite the scene. <laughs> Pretty wild. And, you know, and, and the reaction of those you know, people listening and, and seeing this you know, and, and hearing their language being used here. I mean, the language here is, is that they were bewildered. Right? You see that word there? They were amazed and astonished. They were amazed and perplexed even. Right? It suggests that they, they didn't have a category for what was happening. They, their, their, their minds we're being boggled by this. I think we probably have some experience in a very different way just through all the coronavirus talk that's happening uh, in our day, right? These, these, these Jews here, these devout men, right? They, 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 they didn't quite know what was going on, but they had a sense that it was, you know, it was the Lord's doing, right? And, and, but they're trying to figure out, like, what does this mean? Is literally the question that the, the text says they ask. Well, while others, 
you know, kind of scoffed and brushed it aside and, and assumed that these guys were just simply drunk. Okay, no question though, this was a special event, right? This is a special event orchestrated by God. I mean, think about it. You, you've got the, the timing of this being Pentecost, when the people already would have been, you know, reminiscing and, and, and thinking back on, you know, how God came down on Mount Sinai to, to, to be with his people, right? You've got Jews from every nation and, and every tongue and language and tribe, you know, they're all coming, converging together here. And in the Lord's wisdom and, and in his sovereign timing, he decides that this is the right moment to pour out his spirit in this mighty way, using the disciples to proclaim his mighty works, right? That, that humanity's salvation, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with our maker has been purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary, right? The, these mighty works are being, are being spoken of and proclaimed in such a way that this, this multitude is able to, to understand the message in their own native language, in their own native tongue, which means that the Lord is, is getting the disciples' mission here to be his witnesses, which he said it was, was going to happen in chapter one. He gets it kickstarted with like a serious bang, doesn't he? Right? The gospel is, is absolutely detonated here in this moment through the work of the Holy Spirit in the disciples so the Jews from all nations hear it and understand it and are now able to take the good news back with them to their hometowns where his mighty work of salvation can continue to, to take effect, can multiply and spread even further from there. Again, we get the very strong sense that this is exactly what happened in Rome. What a moment this is. It's, it's, it's astounding. I mean, how awesome is it that the, that the Lord would choose to, to draw it up in this way? Right? And, and listen, this is the very ministry okay, that you and I have been called to join in on, okay, to, be, to be filled with Holy Spirit power so that you and I are, are driven in, in such a way to proclaim the mighty works of God. And we're to do that to the lost, to, 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 to proclaim the gospel to them, that, that Jesus loves sinful people, right? And, and salvation is found in him alone. And, you know, when we repent and we trust in him by faith, right? This is what, what you and I are called to. This is what Redemption Church exists for, okay? We, we you know, we, to, to, to see God's plan, okay? God's, God's mission here, which, which began here in this moment in Acts 2, to see that propelled forward today as the Holy Spirit powerfully works in and through people like you and I. Now, church, I kind of think about this, and I don't know about you, but I kind of recognize that, you know, what a unique, I kind of keep using that word, I think of it that way, what a unique opportunity that you and I have right now in the midst of all of this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic talk, what an opportunity we have to engage in spirit-filled, spirit-powered and propelled ministry. The coronavirus is all anyone's ever talking about these days. You can't, you can't turn on a sports channel, 
uh, without seeing them talk about it. You can't listen to the radio. You can't watch you know, the news. You can't you know, go online without, without seeing this. I mean, what a prime occasion for the gospel, right? Do, do you see it that way? I mean, it really is. What a prime occasion for our church to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and proclaim the mighty works of God. Right? Have you taken that opportunity? Are you taking that opportunity at home with your own family? Right? Do, do we do this regularly and, and you know, to stir each other up and encourage each other with the gospel? And isn't it amazing what Christ has done? How he's rescued us from, from sin and hell and, and God's wrath. Isn't, that, isn't that incredible? And do you focus on that to encourage each other? It starts, it starts there for sure. It starts at home. But then beyond that, it's, I think we should really be considering here the, the different opportunities that you and I are going to have over the next little while with people who are, let's just be honest, they're scared, right? People, people are, 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 are nervous. Coworkers, people that you work with at home, they, they, don't, have, they don't have the hope of, of Christ that we have. They, they don't understand that God has, has got the world in his hands. They, they don't have that ability. So they're trying to figure things out themselves and, 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 and people are, are, are terrified. Have you, have you seen this in, conver- in, in relationships with your neighbors? I've noticed that, you know, everyone's kind of home now. People are outside. The weather's getting a little bit nicer. People are walking their dogs. I've seen my neighbors more now uh, than I've certainly seen them all winter. Have, have you had those opportunities as you go to the grocery store and you're frantically, you know, looking for toilet paper and you can't find that, right? Do you take the opportunities, have you, these, these opportunities to, to have these conversations uh, about the hope that you have in Christ, right? The, the, the peace that you have knowing that, that God is in control of all that is happening. Listen, church, be courageous about this, right? Cry out to the Lord for more of his Holy Spirit to give you courage and boldness so that you can can proclaim his mighty works, that you can share the gospel and so that the Lord would use you to propel his ministry even further. You know, and I would even encourage you here to, again, have these conversations among yourselves and, and come up with a game plan and, and, and even think the next time you're out in the driveway and you're taking the recycling out and, you know, you see your neighbor, you know, to just even initiate a conversation and use this, this pandemic as an opportunity uh, to proclaim Christ. Ask that the Lord would fill you. Ask that his Holy Spirit would move and work. You're going to need it. We all admit it. We don't have the strength and the power in and of ourselves to do this. We need God. We need him. His power is the one that works in us. His power is what propels us and our ministry uh, to the glory of his name. So I want to pray uh, for us right now uh, before I let you go and just ask that the Lord would continue to do this and encourage us through uh, this text and many others uh, this week. Lord, we thank you uh, for this time we've had. It's different, but uh, Lord, it's an opportunity to get into your word and we thank you for that. And and thank you, Lord, that technology exists where we can make this, uh, make this work. We can make this happen and, and we can send out a, a sermon and, uh, and, and for the time being, uh, just meet together and, and as, as, as families or even just as individuals and, and hear from your word and, and, and be stirred up to, to think about how we can apply this uh, going forward, even given there's just the climate and everything that's going on right now with this, with this virus. Lord, I pray that you would protect us. I pray that you would protect our church and protect us from from illness in these ways. I pray that you would stop the spreading of COVID-19 across this nation and across uh, the globe. We absolutely pray that, Lord. We know that you are strong enough 
uh, to do it, Lord. I pray that in the meantime, while we wouldn't just wish this time away, Lord, so that we can get back to a sense of normalcy. Yeah, we all want that. But Lord, I pray that we would take the opportunity in front of us now to proclaim the mighty works of God because people are so receptive now. They're hungry for this. They don't maybe don't realize it. They may see it as a little bit strange that we're talking to them about this. But Lord, I pray that you would take our churches, our people's initiatives in, the, in, in conversations with people and, and, and sink the gospel into their souls. Lord, I pray that, they would, that you would save. Lord, I pray that as, as our church, you know, Lord willing, gathers again shortly back at the school. I pray that there would be new people that would join us because of, of the faithful ministry of, of, P, of the people of Redemption Church in the power of your Holy Spirit. God, would you do these things, Lord? We see and, and experience and sense that you are at work, Lord. Would you overcome our stubborn, hard hearts, our sin, our pride, and work to the glory of your name to get your mission out through people like us uh, so that the gospel can go out and disciples can be made. Lord, help us to join you in on that, to desire to. Lord, again, for your glory, we pray these things. In Christ's name, amen. You are loved.